Did you know that Delaware has endless discoveries? The first state invites you to explore miles of beaches and boardwalks, dozens of unique breweries, award-winning restaurants, some of the country's best state parks, beautiful garden estates, and even tax-free shopping. There's plenty of fun for the entire family and more. Find trip ideas and all the info you need to plan your Delaware discoveries at visitdelaware.com. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's your monster swagging, filthy bruiser, Holder McNeely, BMX. Oh, let's set a house on fire and jump around in it. Ah, energy drinks. Hello, Holden. It is I, your Austrian discotheque daredevil number one billionaire man, wizard Jake Young. <laughs> Enjoy the various benefits of taurine and glucarolactone in order to give you wings. I am floored by this episode. This week of research has been fantastic. We did an energy drink tasting on our study session for the $15 Patreon last Sunday. It was very eye-opening, literally. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just steeped in the culture and the history of energy drinks, and it is a fascinating one that goes so far back. It goes all the way back to 3000 BCE, actually, to be exact, and... I kid you not, this is just such a wild and winding tale of crazy entrepreneurialism that is just spellbinding at times. You're, you got into the deep history, and for me, what's really fascinating is just the past 25 years. The amount sure. of like jostling and cultural factors that made an entirely new brand category possible. Because these aren't sodas. These aren't uh, beverages. These are not liquid refreshments. These are functional pharmaceutical grade things that you take on demand. Like, I feel like that's the main difference. But buy from a bodega or a 7-Eleven. Yeah, that, that, that is exact. They're not in the vitamin section. They're not. You yeah, know. it is not a vitamin. It is not a beverage. It is a third new thing that you take specifically to do shit that needs to get done. And can kill you. And I, I, it can kill you. Yes. But what? I mean, come on. What's what, what? What? You're gonna be one of those namby pamby people that are like, oh, my teenage son died. Uh, we should at least warn people. Man, my name's Holden, right? Ah. Is that what you're gonna be like? That is a little bit what I'm gonna be like. I will talk about my personal, I guess, quote unquote, gush on energy drinks. I am not an energy drink guy. I am a coffee drinker uh, through and through. I like to have one to two cups of coffee in the morning or. By morning, I use usually early afternoon whenever I <laughs> get myself out of bed. And 
that's about it. But I do remember experimenting with energy drinks as well as drugs like marijuana and, and, and hallucinogenic mushrooms back in college. Because all both of those were coming to uh, prominence around those late 90s, <laughs> early 2000s years. I definitely remember when Rockstar hit because we thought that the ad campaign was so hilarious that it said on the can, party like a rock star, that it was twice the size of a Red Bull which is hilarious because now now that I've done the research, apparently it's got the exact same amount of caffeine and taurine and whatever in it as Red Bull. But it was just they wanted to make it bigger to make it look like it was more potent. And we just thought it was like so crazy and funny that it was like, wow, they, they want you to have like essentially a Coke fueled party <laughs> night of drinking just without the Coke. And instead, let's just drink these. Hey, energy hey drinks. what should we what should we name our lifestyle beverage after? Like uh, like kind of like some kind of like um, like a cool animal or like, um, I don't know, like kind of a mythical figure. Hey, what's that? Uh, what's that? What's that uh, occupation that's most famous for killing people by age 27? Let's do that one. <laughs> so, yeah, that was sold at Mike's Beer Barn where we went and got our beer. It was a drive through beer place that you could get drive to through keg service even that was literally across the street from where I lived. And you could get cigarettes and beer and Rockstar there. And I guess after that, I definitely remember really the other big one would be Four Loco. And if you want to get documentation of this. We have an episode of Roundtable where all of us drank a can of Four Loco and we proceeded to lose our fucking minds. It was before they removed the caffeine or whatever from the drink and we went insane. And I remember that summer. It was like that Four Loco was tied to the summer of 2010 and in New York City especially and I'm sure whatever college you were at if you were in college it you was everywhere and people were having Four Loco parties. I remember I had my friend uh Julia she went to a Four loco party, she said, and by the end of it, everyone was losing their minds. There was literally someone punched a hole through the wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just madness, chaos. That, that drink brought chaos to the city. It was so wild. I'm 90% sure I went to that same Four loco party, and I <laughs> nearly died. I nearly fucking died. <laughs> it is just bananas, that drink. That was the, that was the culmination to me. Then, of course, there's Five Hour Energy. I remember all of my friends very quickly when Five Hour Energy hit switched to that. The idea of a drink that made you incredibly energetic for five hours was like so not my thing. And that was that was the thing I noticed. Like a lot of my Murder Fist uh, folks, so I was in the sketch group, Murder Fist, they would drink like a Red Bull or a Five Hour Energy drink right before uh, our pre-show rehearsal. And I'd always just be like, why? I, I The adrenaline I felt on stage... I didn't need an energy drink, you know? But either way, energy drinks have always been all around us uh, and just such a fundamental part of the American capitalist machine that everyone works in. And yeah, maybe I'm a coffee guy, but I mean, I've, I've, I've been seeing what's been going on. I know what the kids are into, and it is pretty unbelievable how massive this market has become. Yeah, I think that's one of the main fascinating things that I really wanted to push for this to be an episode was because just like uh, social media, which we talked about in one of our bonus episodes, just like uh, video games, which we talk about all the time, energy drinks was something that like I saw happen in real time within my life. And so like that initial kind of like societal moment we had in the 1998 we were like, oh, it's like a, it's like a little like a Red Bull. You drink it and it makes you go goo goo gaga. That's neat. That's crazy. 
And then seeing the market grow, seeing the category grow, seeing it become this like almost indelible part of uh, human existence. And now we've reached, yeah, this this crazy point where it is a fixture in the supermarket, at the convenience store, 7-Eleven, the bodega. There is everywhere you go, you can get access to these drinks. I th- and I think it's like pretty much tied exactly, like you said, to capitalism. It's tied to how we work, how we engage with work, how we uh, function now. Uh, and there's a reason for that, and we'll get into it. But Holden, Holden, where did where did the energy come from? Where did it all come from? Indeed, Jake, we can't speak towards the energy drink, I don't think, until we speak towards the history of caffeine. According to Chinese legend, the Chinese emperor Shenong, back in around 3000 BCE, accidentally discovered tea when some leaves fell into boiling water and he found the result to be a fragrant and restorative drink. The first documented knowledge of the coffee plant seems to arrive in the middle of the 15th century in southeastern Arabia and from the port city in Yemen called Mocha, the drink spread to Egypt and North Africa, reaching the rest of the Middle East by the 16th century, and it is from there that it spreads to Italy first, which makes a lot of sense. That's such a big coffee culture in Italy, and then the rest of Europe, and it was transported by the Dutch to the East Indies and the Americas after that, and in 1819, a German chemist named Friedlieb Ferdinand Rung isolated relatively pure caffeine for the first time, calling it café base, café base, meaning a base that exists in coffee. A couple years later, it was isolated by the French chemist Pierre-Jean Robocquet, who gave it the name caffeine, derived from the French word for coffee, which is café. Isolated caffeine is a bitter-tasting, white, odorless powder that is moderately soluble in water at room temperature and very soluble in boiling water. It is absorbed by the small intestine within 45 minutes of ingestion and distributed throughout all body tissues. That's my little brief tidbit about caffeine. Now here's a little story about a drink we all know called Coca-Cola. Guys, because I found it fascinating, and it really is just goes to show how carbonated, energy-giving beverages have been such a, a fa- so foundational in America and American society. And it was all because this one guy was addicted to um, opiates, I believe. So here we go. And it was also haha, a Confederate colonel from the American Civil War, John Pemberton. Yeah, he was addicted to morphine. He was injured in the uh, Civil War. And that's why he became addicted to morphine. And he's just trying to look for a substitute for the drug. This is back in 1885. He registered Pemberton's French wine coca nerve tonic at his drug and chemical house in Columbus, Georgia. Drug and chemical house. I love that. Uh, Essentially a pharmacy. It was said, and also how the energy drink has its roots in pharmacies and Mm -hmm. druggists, which is going to come into play later in terms of how it's advertised and regulated. It was said to be inspired by a French Corsican coca wine called Vin Mariani, as well as a Spanish drink called Cola Coca. Uh, presented in a contest in Philadelphia in 1885, the rights for which were bought by the Coca-Cola company in 1953. His drink, however, included the African cola nut, which is where the caffeine chemical comes in. So not only did he have a cocaine in his drink, he had caffeine as well. So the funny thing about Coca-Cola is that it was marketed as a temperance drink. And the temperance movement was the movement against alcoholic beverages so this drink 
was was essentially marketed as like the moral drink, mm-hmm. right? A soft drink as opposed to a hard beverage, a hard lemonade. And it was chalked to the gills with what I would consider to be a way harder drug, <laughs> cocaine. So, 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 yeah, prohibition legislation was passed in 1886. And so Pemberton removes the alcohol from his drink. And, and then it is marketed as Coca-Cola, the temperance drink. So, and at the time, soda fountains were popular as carbonated water was understood to be good for your health. So again, trying to corner, lean into the market of this gives you energy and it's good for you. So Pemberton incorporates carbonation, markets the beverage as a medicine that could cure diseases, indigestion, nerve disorders, headaches, and impotence. At one point, there were three versions of the drink sold by three separate businesses, and a man named Asa Chandler ended up getting full control of the company in 1888 after Pemberton died, and the reins were left to his alcohol and opium-addicted son. And the reason why there were two, there were three different versions of the drink being sold, I think, was mainly because he was selling off the rights to to uh, make the drink because he was still, of course, addicted to morphine <laughs> for the rest of his life. So, so he's still like, he's just this nutbag. The drink's secret to success was that its two key ingredients were caffeine and cocaine, and it had an estimated nine milligrams of cocaine per glass. A typical line of cocaine is around 50 to 75 milligrams, so every glass had nine, had like a fifth of a like a line of coke like Like i mean this is like legitimate a little it was a key bump sort (laughs) essentially in every glass in 1903 this was removed the coke uh the cocaine (laughs) was removed the drink and replaced in 1904 with spent coca leaves instead of fresh ones and i always forget about this but uh it today it uses cocaine free coca leaf extract that is prepared in a maywood new jersey plant which is the only manufacturing plant authorized by the federal government to import and process coca leaves that it gets from Peru and Bolivia. So there is a plant in New Jersey. There's a loophole where Coca-Cola <laughs> is the only company that's allowed to even use that decoconated yeah. extract, which is yeah. such a weird edge. So weird. Whenever someone's like, is Pepsi okay? And your friend's like, oh, gross. Like, you know what it's really about. They just need that like 0.0001%. I, that's I'm a left. Coca-Cola guy. I love Coca-Cola. Maybe that's why I've never tried cocaine out of fear, because I used to drink like three cans a day at least. Like I was so into Coca-Cola. The extracted cocaine, by the way, is sold to Mallincrofts, the only company in the U.S. licensed to purify cocaine for medicinal use. So really crazy stuff. That's what I have on Coca-Cola. But I just wanted to give that that history because I think it it is actually pretty fundamental to the subject at hand. So at a certain point though, Coca-Cola has its own victory because it completely divorces its role as a medicinal beverage to just a round the clock, 24 seven replacement for water. Basically, if you know (laughs) any, you know, you, you, you don't, you, you, Back during the pharmacy days, it was this tiny six ounce glass or a tiny six and a half ounce bottle, that classic little Coca-Cola bottle. And like it was for like deliberate pick me ups. You know, you were like, yeah, you were down in the dumps and you needed a little jolt of woohoo. You go get the Coca-Cola. And by the time we deal with the energy drink market, Coca-Cola is distributed around the world. You drink it any time of day. Morning, noon, mm-hmm. and night. You have a big fucking fuck you cup of it with at the movie theaters. <laughs> it's yeah. really completely divorced from its origins as a functional product. Yeah, for sure. And definitely not as a medicinal one right. by any means. So Coca-Cola is the proto-energy drink. But the technically first energy drinks 
were as follows. Uh, this goes back to 1927 when glucosade was invented by a chemist named William Owen in an attempt to find an energy source for cold and flu patients. Again, medicinal. It was renamed Leucosade in 1929, and its slogan changed in 1983 from Leucosade AIDS Recovery to Leucosade Replaces Lost Energy. It contains 46 milligrams of caffeine and 37% of an adult's recommended daily amount of sugar. So that you've got that. Next, you have Dr. Enough, which was developed in 1949 by a Chicago businessman. I've never heard of this, and apparently you can still get it. I don't understand. Right? So this guy was trying to create a vitamin-focused soft drink to rival sugary sodas. It was marketed as a, quote, energy booster. And this is where the B vitamins come in that you see on so many energy drink cans, right? That, mm-hmm. that all starts with Dr. Enough. B vitamins, it has caffeine and cane sugar. The ad copy said, the answer to a housewife's Prayer, the bosom companion of a tired farmer or businessman, and a shift into high gear for young Johnny or Mary. <laughs> As every kid, of course, back in Chicago during that time was either named Johnny or Mary, which <laughs> did culminate in the crisis of names war that happened a few years after. Lipovatin was Japan's answer to the okay, early okay. version all right, of the all energy all right, drink. Right, so- and this is where Jake's coming in swinging baby what do you got for us jake okay so the story of energy drinks as a its own distinct product starts with lipo lipovitan and the deal with it is uh before we get into lipovitan you have to understand that japan loves meth japan (laughs) loves the shit out of meth meth was what made japan happen and to this day it is the number one cause of uh, drug-related crimes in Japan. And famously, uh, yeah, a lot of people who are familiar with the uh, last podcast on the left and a lot of spooky-ooky history knows that the Nazis were also super big into amphetamines. And it kind of makes sense because a lot of, like, you know, German, Austro-Hungarian scientists and a lot of Japanese scientists did a lot of the early work in isolating and uh, and synthesizing amphetamines and methamphetamines, which are... Like if caffeine had a much more angry brother that just squeezed your dopamine receptors till you couldn't feel or think anymore. And so amphetamines was so key to the Japanese war effort in World War II that it was given to factory workers. It was given to kamikaze pilots. It was given to soldiers on night watch. It was freely distributed to help keep the war effort going because, you know, it was a tiny island nation that was pushing on all cylinders in a total war effort to conquer all of its neighbors. The brand of caffeine that was, I'm sorry, not caffeine, of amphetamine that was used by the Japanese government was called Philippon. And it was like available in little glass vials. It was available in tablets. It was available in powder. Philippon is even the name that uh, a lot of older Japanese people use to refer to speed or meth, even when it's bought illegally. Uh, Philippon, just to add to the dystopian uh, nightmare of it all, uh, is a play on Greek, and uh, which translates roughly to uh, the man who loves work. So it is built into the Japanese work ethic that, like, right. if you need a little zip and go, you take something. And if you've seen, if you've seen any or heard any of our episodes on manga, anime, you get a heavy sense of 
the type of work ethic that is expected of you in Japan, and it's insane. So everything you're saying, I totally believe. Around the 1950s, the government finally started putting the crackdown on casual amphetamine use, uh, at first trying to restrict it to, uh, you know, prescription uh, liquids that you had to get injected by a doctor. That just meant everyone started shooting amphetamines. And finally, 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 they kind of phased it out of uh, the hands of the average person who wasn't willing to break the law. But all these pharmaceutical companies in Japan that had been pushing the amphetamines had like to replace it with something. And so these medicinal tonics started appearing in pharmacies. And the most popular one is Lipovitan and Lipovitan D that replaced Mm -hmm. the amphetamines with uh, caffeine, uh, various other uh, fancy stuff like uh, royal jelly is a popular ingredient, vitamins B. B vitamins, C, vitamin C, and taurine. Yes, taurine, named after the Latin taurus, meaning bull or ox. It is an organic compound that can be found in the large intestine and is a major constituent of bile that was first isolated from ox bile in 1827 by two German scientists. Wait, I thought it came from from stinky bull nuts. I thought it came from (laughs) just like, they just, they make, uh, they make, they just jerk off. Random bulls and then they anger in bulls. the red They bull. anger bulls by insulting the bull's mother and then they weirdly <laughs> jerk off the bull. Yeah, I thought so too. Turns out it comes from the bile of the bull of the ox. It's it so found- weird how often if like because we did a lot of research for this episode and if you Google taurine, all the results are: Does it come from spunk? <laughs> uh, my cousin said it came from nasty jizz. It's honestly kind of grosser. It comes from bile, which to me is like almost more disgusting. It can be found naturally, almost. by the way, in meat, fish, almost. daily products, and human milk. So there you go. You can get it right out, right off the tit. There. They've done a ton of studies, and it's very inconclusive whether or not it actually "quote unquote" does anything. Some animal studies shows that it like helps heart rate and helps muscle performance. Other studies say that it doesn't do anything, but I feel like it, this happens all the time in uh, natural farm in natural s- supplements and health food and all this stuff. People just settle on an ingredient. It's marketed properly and it's therefore considered valuable. And in the case of Lipovitan D, taurine was it. This was, this was the one it's sold in a little Brown glass vial you drink it very quickly, and it was usually sold for about, say, a buck fifty, which was much more expensive than a normal, uh, you know, can of coffee or a can of soda. But it was specifically marketed to office workers. It was specifically about the salaryman late at night who's, you know, grinding along, doing his job during a period of massive economic boom times for Japan. And it's filling that niche that the Philippon drug used to do. It was mostly available in pharmacies, but then became uh, widely available in the uh, new konbini stores that were propping up. And uh, Holden, as someone who's played a lot of Yakuza games, you know that these energy drink vials are an integral part of Japanese society. They give you uh, added heat meter to allow you to uh, do special moves. They regain your mm-hmm. health. They give you uh, super armor when doing combo attacks. Very mm-hmm. important, according to the Yakuza games. <laughs> With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. 
Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So Lipovitan is, uh, is very popular. There's then all these regional kind of copycats emerge. In Korea, right. Bacchus F emerges, which is pretty much the same product. A syrupy, sweet little vial of caffeine and taurine and vitamins. Uh, and in Thailand, another guy gets the idea to rip off uh, Lipovitan D by a guy by the name of Chileo Uvidia. Uvidia. So Chileo, Chileo Uvidia, he is seeing the popularity of Lipovitan D and he decides to mess with the formula and create a sweeter version of it that's just a little bit more palatable. And this is back in 1975. It contains water, cane sugar, caffeine, taurine, inositol, and B vitamins. And it's marketed to royal Thai laborers with a working class image boosted by a sponsorship of Thai boxing, which uh, Muay Thai, which is very popular there. And also giving it that edge that Red Bull is going to continue to use in its marketing campaigns or continue to use in its decision to sponsor sports where people get very hurt and where people are like kind of badasses more uh, let's call them extreme sports maybe it's actually it's really a brilliant move because uh chileo was he was literally the son of duck farmers he was like almost going to be doomed to a life of like subsistence farming and uh he started working at his brother's pharmaceutical company he had to go door to door as a salesman to pharmacies and hospitals selling antibiotics and when he spun off and did his own thing, he noticed that like he liked Lipovitan D, but it was way more expensive than any other beverage. It was like too expensive for the average Thai worker to use. Mm. And all the Lipovitan uh, advertising was kind of basically translated from the Japanese ad campaigns. And so they were pushing the product to uh, higher earning office workers basically around the major cities. And so... With uh, his version with Krateng Dang, mm-hmm. which is uh, technically it's uh, not a bull. Uh, the, the, the Dang is a, uh, we call it a gower. A gower, a large wild cattle that lives in Southeast Asia. A big muscular bull. If you look up, animal. A swole bull. This thing is ridiculous. Ooh, like, he's a thick boy. Ooh, these gowers is, are thick boys. It's a muscular ass, muscular Bull. It's and its logo is of two charging bulls representing power that are red to signify perseverance, and the backdrop is the sun to symbolize energy. So, with a cheaper product and an ad campaign that focuses solely on truck drivers, farmers, and people that are honestly doing hard work and are on kind of need more, even more of a boost than the office workers, it quickly overtakes Lipovitan D and becomes mm-hmm. the dominant beverage in Thailand. And this is where Australian businessman Austrian. Dietrich Austrian did I say Australian mm-hmm. Austrian businessman Dietrich Matischitz comes into the picture. He is visiting 
uh, and on a business, he's working he with uh, I believe what is it hygiene, personal hygiene, toothpaste. I think he things like is that. working the Asian market for Blendax, a German brand of toothpaste, which takes him to Japan, where he sees that Lipovitan is very popular, and he takes him to Thailand, where, according to legend. After getting off the plane and being extremely jet-lagged, on a whim, he cracks open a uh, Krating Dong energy drink, takes a swig, and finds that his his jet-lag is magically cured. There you go. It has given him the energy and the focus that he needs to sell toothpaste to foreigners. So he and Chileo co-found Red Bull GmbH in 1984. Wait, wait. No, wait. I love this. I love this. The, according to the... Um, there's a few different stories, and uh, in the one version, he immediately gets on board with uh, Red Bull as with uh, with Chileo in Thailand as soon as he takes his first drink. But other versions of the story is, yeah, he went to Thailand, enjoyed a couple of Red Bulls while he was on a business trip, and then went back to uh, Austria and was just sick of his job. <laughs> he was looking for a way out. He really hated office work. He was always kind of a free spirit. He, like... Uh, came from a broken household and like took his sweet ass time studying business. He like it took him 10 years to get his business degree and he just like really wanted to live by his own terms. And but he needed a business plan. And when reading uh, just a business newsletter a couple years after his initial taste of Krateng Dang, he saw that Taisho Pharmaceuticals, the company that makes Lipovitan D, had over the years become the largest taxpayer in the corporate taxpayer in the entire Japanese economy that this beverage that he knows does its job and was so like important to Asian society that it was one of the dominant uh, corporations in Japan, a powerhouse of economic growth at the time. And that brand category, that drink did not exist in the West. That just wasn't even a market in the West. And he knew that that was Definitely, like he could make this work, and obviously he couldn't work with such a big brand as Lipo Vatan. But Chileo is a local boy done good. It's a smaller family-run business out of Thailand, and so he picks them to partner with, and so they form an arrangement that has given birth to like at least a dozen billionaires in the past 25 years. Absolutely. With just each of them investing just $500,000 into the company, the agreement had uh, Mattishitz running the company out of Austria starting in 1987. And it was he that was responsible for the name Red Bull, as well as the addition of carbonation to the drink to make it more appealing to international tastes and as a mixer for alcoholic beverages, which again, going back to that, like Coca-Cola did back in the day, adding that carbonation, but for different reasons. And it also launched the slogan, Red Bull gives you wings. In an attempt to rebrand away from blue-collar workers, Red Bull first introduced itself to ski resorts in Austria and trying to become this party drink for Richie Riches mm -hmm. and also this extreme sports drink. In the early 90s, it made its way to Hungary and Slovenia, then to Germany and the UK in 1997 and to the US, specifically California at that time as well. Uh, Mattischitz also pushed hard to get the drink via sponsorships attached to skateboarding, air racing, skiing, all these different kind of things that were at that time, again, this was the weird time when we had extreme sports, which was its own weird branding thing that we probably talked about. I'm sure we talked about it in Tony Hawk. 
But it was just such a bizarre time. It was like, you do like sports, but do you want to take them to the extreme? And like, that was like perfect for the energy drink, which is also trying to take your heart rate to the extreme. So Diedrich's first uh, partner was a his old university friend and advertising uh, executive named Johan Kastner. And with him, he helped launch the It Gives You Wings uh, promotion. Uh, and that was a kind of two pronged attack there's like the cartoons you know the mm-hmm. we've, we're all familiar you, there's probably one that uh you associate the most i remember the one where uh the businessman drinks a can of red bull after getting shat on by a bird and then he drinks a can of red bull sprouts wings and then tries to and then proceeds to piss on the bird uh mm-hmm. there's the sisyphus one there's like a million of these ads uh they were all animated by a guy named tibor hernandi who uh, died in 2012, but like that was the general awareness, like just brand kind of huggy feely. They don't really talk about the concrete effects. They don't talk about the Red Bull lifestyle. There's just like, hey, there's Red Bull. It's a thing. You can drink it. People's like, it makes you happy, whatever. That's fine. And then there's the strategy that's known as the quote unquote world of Red Bull. Now there's a lecture that you can find online by one of their longtime marketing executives named Arun Hozak, and he gets into it. Holden, I am sending you this fucking graphic from the thing because it is almost unbelievable. <laughs> There's, It is a four-way concentric circle chart that talks about all the ways that they try and build word of mouth and brand communication. And by basically foregoing traditional print ads, foregoing traditional radio ads, and hyper-focusing on specific subcultures, they kind of ingratiated themselves into the product, uh, into people's lives. So they hosted, like, DJs and parties to, you know, get people that are, you know, claim, you know, listen, I'm not a normie. I like going to the discotheque. I like going to raves. And Red Bull's like, oh, you know, Red Bull, we get you. We are, we're part of you. And if you want to party harder, you should drink a Red Bull. And they associate with, uh, with extreme sports and they host all these different events. And, uh, specifically, this is the thing that, uh, Arun talks about is what Red Bull did specifically, instead of just like plastering their name up on different X Games events, they would hold their own events and they would use all their money to push the media team. So like, it's one thing to just be, hey, cool. Like, yeah, I guess we kind of support motocross, but Red Bull elevated motocross. Red Bull would put out internet videos. They would put out uh, magazines. They would do all these things to then make the subcultures they're targeting look way cooler than their own media could thus engendering even more love between the products. And all of this basically is still just making sure that the eight, the 16 to 32 year old men that like they're trying to get to try this addictive product become one with them. And Mm. this strategy does gangbusters. They have uh, people in colleges showing up with those mini coopers handing out free samples they have uh, the Flugtag events where they make the flying machines, the crashed ice events where they basically create like l- ice luge, giant ice luges that people in hockey gear try and skate down and like not die during. <laughs> and the thing that this company is doing, all of the money that they're making, they're reinvesting into these media properties and reinvesting into the company. 
And it just catches the world by storm. Coca-Cola, Pepsi, Snapple, all of these brands are completely fucking blindsided, even though Red Bull had been gaining traction. So we're talking about from 1987, when they finally mm-hmm. released in Europe with the new formulation, to 1997, when they hit America, and America did not see this coming, the entire industry is completely revolutionized. I will say that while Red Bull is kicking off in the 1980s, it should be noted that there was also Jolt Cola out of Rochester, New York, with the slogan, all the sugar and twice the caffeine. This was introduced in 1985. Jolt would be the first to actually diversify with various flavors, such as Cherry Bomb, Citrus Climax, Electric Blue, Orange Blast, Red Eye, and White Lightning, which all kind of sound like words describing coming but either way a decade <laughs> later uh, PepsiCo introduced Josta and this was the first energy drink introduced by a major US beverage company that had the slogan better do the good stuff now the drink is pulled from the lineup however in 1999 so a bit of a failed experience but either way no uh, uh, yeah. Jolt is a ve- uh, former uh, super producer Marcus Parks uh, has spoken very highly of Jolt Cola and its role in his life back in the day And the story of Jolt is actually kind of amazing because that one is less about like triangulating global trends and trying to hunt down like a key market. Like uh, the Jolt Cola story is basically uh, what's the guy's name? CJ Rapp uh, was. Yeah, he was just a beverage uh, distribution worker who like just noticed all the new stuff coming in through his uh, warehouse during like the late 80s was talking about like less sugar, less caffeine, no sugar, no colorings, <laughs> all natural. And was like, well, if people are marketing sodas with less, I bet I could market a soda that promises to have more stuff. And it was popular, but it was also kind of a punchline for a lot of things. Like I, you know, Jolt yeah. Cola is something that the comic book guy would drink on the Simpsons. And it wasn't yeah. tied to these kind of more outside the box lifestyle brand positionings. And the company kind of changed hands a bunch. Uh, the brand had value. By, I, I remember it by like um, by 2005, those huge battery bottles, like those resealable uh-huh. aluminum ones. I think that's when they introduced all of the, uh, how do you say, um, it was the more jizzy flavors were really, mm. were really doing it. <laughs> But it didn't, but Jolt Cola almost existed as its own separate island from the general energy drink. But mm-hmm. at the same time that uh, Red Bull made its way to America, another uh, young, hungry beverage entrepreneur was uh, getting stuff done. Uh, Hobie Buppert. Yep. Which is a great name. Let's talk about Hobie Bu- Buppert. Hobie Buppert, because I was about to ask you, Jake. Jake, can we talk about balls? I remember mm. balls. I remember Can we balls go one being... episode without talking about balls? <laughs> I remember balls hitting when I was in college and I had some friends that were uber doobie gamer dudes and they were so excited about this drink, especially because I had grippies on the side of it because it was so effective. You needed grips. That bottle is so it. I wish I wish I could just drink everything out of a balls bottle. <laughs> so great. So, yes, uh, this all came from Hobie Buppert, a Cornell University grad. 
student created uh, who created a business plan in 1995 for Balls, B-A-W-L-S, by the way, Balls Guarana, looking for a caffeine alternative to coffee that was light and not as sweet as other caffeinated drinks at the time. And he based his recipe around, as I mentioned already, the uh, Guarana. It is a climbing plant native to the Amazon basin and especially common in Brazil, whose fruit contains twice the concentration of caffeine found in coffee seeds. This is a def- used as a defensive toxin to repel herbivores from the berry and its seeds. This is actually technically like, it has so much caffeine, it's like a poison that works in defense of the plant. The name was chosen both because it would be memorable and stand out, and also, it's, acron- it's an acronym for Brazilian African Wildlife Society. Sure it is. It, <laughs> it sure. started out, he started out selling the drink in Miami to nightlife folks. But that strategy totally changed in 1998 when a PC gaming website posted a positive review of the drink, which led Buppert to sponsor LAN parties and the Cyber Athlete Professional League, which is hilarious. It was trying to be kind of like the NBA. It even looked like an NBA or an MLB logo for except for it's like a guy at a computer. It's kind of hilarious with the red, white and blue. And that was an organization that hosted tournaments for games like StarCraft II and League of Legends, just to give you its place in time. Buppert even paid for product placement in video games. Oh, uh, this is hilarious. <laughs> Run Like Hell and Fallout Brotherhood of Steel, which we definitely covered in our Fallout episode. That's right. If you thought there wasn't a reason to play Fallout Brotherhood of Steel, it's the only Fallout game that features Balls Guarana energy drink. <laughs> then, of course, Bupper turned to extreme sports like BMX and paintball. He was spo- sponsoring paintball league stuff, which is amazing. Bupper left Hobarama. Hobarama is the uh, actual name of the company that made balls that he created. He leaves in 2009. There's a restructuring plan that was put into place in 2010. And that's all I really have to say about that. You can still get it, but I remember Balls specifically. Uh, it was sold on thinkgeek.com, which was like a very mainstay nerd uh, shopping website. Uh, it was always, it was available to buy at the near the register at CompUSA. That was a big exclusive deal for Balls. Well, it makes so much, it makes so much sense, this marketing to gamers for the energy drink, because I think that's where it's the most useful. Because I feel like if you're a professional athlete, You really probably shouldn't be drinking a lot of energy drinks. That's not going to be very healthy for you. You're going to need to stay fit and and treat your body right. But the gamer, the gamer can slay is trying to stay up all night, trying to put as many hours possible into this game that they're playing to be the best at it. And it's just perfect to say stay up all night with a can of balls. Uh, You can still buy it. Uh, The website is still functional. I don't know exactly what its distribution is like. But uh, yes, Balls is still on the market. But now we're going to tell a story of the disruption of the energy drink market in America. And it all starts in 2002. Now, there is an hour-long lecture that you can find by a uh, beverage marketing executive named Harold Tabor. And Harold worked for a little company called the Hanson's Natural Soda Corporation. So, Jake, before we get into... The history of Monster. I do want to take us on a little side path because Rockstar's kind of hilarious and happened right before Monster. Okay, okay. All right. As long as we don't talk about full throttle, which is just the worst form <laughs> of fucking horse piss. It really was bad. I it tried was it. Disgusting. It really is bad. It's it really is, gross. Ugh. If you 
find me any single person that was like, I love full throttle brand energy drink and I will show you a liar that I'm currently kicking in the knees. Because essentially what Monster does is it takes all of the things that came before. It takes Red Bull, Rockstar, and a kind of Jolt Cola and combines mm. them all in terms of its approach to advertising, its formula, everything. So let's get Rockstar, Rockstar into the mix here. Founded in 2001 by Russ Wiener, the son of a conservative talk show host named Michael Savage. Russ first Wait, tried- really? Yes! There's a Rockstar Michael Savage connection? Yes! It's Ugh. the kid... Yeah, so Russ first tried to get into politics, but during his failed campaign for a California state assembly seat, he caught the eye of the founder of Sky Vodka, who hired him. However, Wiener left Sky when they wouldn't go along with his big idea to create a competitor for Red Bull. They especially didn't like his dumb name for the drink, Rockstar. Wiener went off and decided instead he'd go big or go home with a 16-ounce can for just two bucks a pop to lure folks away from the smaller, more expensive Red Bull. Rockstar was also the first line of energy drinks to offer a wide variety of flavors. Uh, if you don't consider Joel Colas to be an energy drink specifically, this is the truth. It started out in San Francisco, where it gained popularity and grew to the rest of the country after gaining partnerships with Southern Wine and Spirits and Dr. Pepper. However, Rockstar suffered for a few reasons. Hilariously, uh, the big reason... Is Wiener is a, is a psychopath. Great. So he spent very little on marketing, which I do what? remember. Was such a loving, caring dad is his. <laughs> he turned out fucked up. Weird. He hated scheduling meetings because, quote, if you look that far ahead, you're going to lose in the here and now. He's one of those CEOs. He's he's uh, he made a deal with Coke in 2005, and that resulted in him and the Coke executives getting in constant screaming matches, constantly just at at odds. He's like impossible to deal with, and everything has to go through him. He's total micromanager, just psycho, crazy guy. He's also before Monster did it. He started bringing he started hiring the booby models. Mm. To to walk around and give out rock star and stuff. He was the first one to do it before the monster girls. And and so you're gonna see Monster essentially look at Red Bull's advertising approach, Rockstar's advertising approach, and just general attitude. You're gonna and and also Jolt and the variation of flavors that Jolt and Rockstar are putting out and combine all of those things. But as you said, to lead into it, before Monster was Monster. It was uh, it was Hanson's Juices, a fresh juice company coming out of California. Right. So Hanson's juice veg. Uh, what was the exact line? It's like Hubert Hanson's fruits and vegetable juices, based in uh, Los Angeles in 1935. Uh, they sold all natural, delicious beverages, usually to uh, movie catering companies, and just uh, born from the same kind of soft drink boom that came out of uh, the post-Prohibition era. Um, but they were mostly focused to Southern California. Um, by the late 80s, they were overextended and in debt, and the company went bankrupt. It was just kind of this regional beverage company that didn't have a lot of prospects. The company changed hands a couple of times, but when all was said and done, by uh, 1997... Uh, the company was in the hands of Rodney Sachs, who was a South African lawyer who had moved to California and kind of uh, assembled enough investors to take control of the company. And for a little bit, the company's just kind of float, free floating. Uh, I remember them in uh, Trader Joe's. They would sell like 
natural diet sodas at Trader Joe's that tasted real nasty. I hated them. <laughs> uh, they had like a Snapple competitor, an all-natural smoothie brand. They had their own bottled water. They were just really just kind of seeing where the winds were going and just chasing. They were just always chasing trends and taking advantage of whatever small network of distributors they had access to and being like, okay, I know you want to go with another company, but like here, Hanson's offering a similar product. Just do, just keep buying from Hanson's. But something changed in 1998 where they released Hanson's Energy, a clear knockoff of Red Bull and an 8.3 ounce can. And immediately they see results. It's uh, 1998, the year they released their uh, knockoff Red Bull. They saw their largest year to year growth up until that point. And so the executives clearly see where the energy is, so to speak, in the market And uh, for the next couple of things, I want to refer to an hour-long lecture by a guy named Harold Tabor, who, oddly enough, his dad worked for Pepsi. And so they're in meetings, and they're trying to figure out how to, like, make a bold move to, like, no longer play catch-up and make something, like, what they feel is, like, a, a, a first strike in the energy market. And... According to Tabor, he does not mention Rockstar, but you are right. Rockstar did come first. Uh, The first thing they come up with is size as a key differentiator, because when it comes down to it, sugar, water and carbon dioxide and caffeine are not very expensive. And you can literally sell twice as much product for only a couple of cents per can in lost profits. So if you can. So immediately they're going to undercut Red Bull. Uh, Mm -hmm. They decide on. 16 ounces as the amount of product they're going to sell. And now they have to, and they're trying to think of a name. They do a taste test. They do a market focus test with different sized bottles, different sized like uh, containers. And then all the way on the end is a big black can. And apparently, according to legend, someone in the focus group who is apocryphically named Brian points to the can and says, I don't know about these other things, but that can over there is a monster. <laughs> and now they have a name. It's, and apparently this, this was specifically they were polling teenage boys. Yeah. They're specifically marketing to people who honestly, at, at the end of the day, according to what people have found on the health side of things, really shouldn't be drinking these drinks at all. Like these, no. these drinks are really should be 18 and over. But of course, they are immediately trying to get that market. And it was apparently also attributed to a salesman named Mark Hall, who joined the company in 1997, tasked with rebranding. Because as you said, they're doing well with this new drink, but they also need to figure out a way to distance themselves from their healthy juice drink image up until now. And Monster couldn't be more of a, you know, rebrand from... Hanson's, uh, what is it? Yeah, Hanson's fresh drink. Get your fresh, clean drink. Oh, natu- no artificial colors or flavors. Yeah. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash credit card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, 
Just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. They did taste tests with those same teens and uh, discovered that what teens want to drink is a uh, sugary mixture of lemon, lime, and grapefruit citrus flavors. So basically Mountain Dew again. They just want more Mountain Dew. And uh, they start selling the drink on the East Coast and the West Coast where they have access to bottlers. Because this is a super key thing, is all of these energy drinks basically need to find something to differentiate themselves on the shelf to get people's attention. For Red Bull, it was the Slim Can. For Monster, it's the Big Can. Uh, for Monster Ultra, it's the, the weird tactile cans. For Balls, it was the Bumpy Blue Bottle. And getting access to those containers is actually an immense logistical headache. So on the East Coast and West Coast, they could get those 16-ounce cans and um, they immediately start talking to their potential customers. And what they find out is they will pay a premium if they think the brand represents them. They are about lifestyle brands. And so they immediately push heavy for motocross, surfing events, basically the same thing that Red Bull did, but way less pretentious. They are just leaning in hard on this and that's where we get the monster girls yeah yeah mma esports as well bringing the gaming in Uh, again combining everything that came before like the marketing to gamers from balls all of it uh, it's giant ad campaign and rock stars boob model energy (laughs) drink givers also remember the cars you would see those on college campus the red Mm -hmm. bull cars and the monster drive around and throw or i'm sorry yeah monster cars and they throw out uh I mean, both. They threw out drinks and everything. Yeah, it, it just all of a sudden overnight, it seemed like in 2002, Monsters just everywhere. And the annual co- revenue for the company went from $50 million to $1.7 billion over the years of 20, 2003 to 2011. This is, this is insane. Um, in 2002, before Monster, if you invested $100 in Hanson's Natural Corporation in 2002... By 2007, that investment would be worth $8,000. Wow. It did incredible. By 2012, they officially changed the name of the company to Monster Beverage. Uh, In 2014, Coca-Cola buys in a 17% stake of the company. uh, And from that deal, Monster gets control of the NOS and Full Throttle brands. Full Throttle being the worst, shittiest, fucking disgusting (laughs) Uh, just I said horse piss, but that's an insult to horse piss. I'm sure there's several Mongolian warriors who drank horse piss gladly. This is horse shit. This is just the worst fucking thing you can put in your body. Uh, the two companies bumped heads in 2018 because uh, Coca-Cola tried to release Coke Energy, which would have violated the terms of agreement between the two companies. But luckily, uh, and Coca-Cola won the right to do Coke Energy but luckily for Monster, uh, Coca-Cola, Coke Energy also tastes like just absolute rhinoceros ass, just disgusting, horrible beverage. Mm-hmm. And the real thing that puts Monster over the top is it starts expanding the brand in very intense ways. The Monster line just exponentially grows. It starts with Java Monster, which I know a lot of people on the Discord have uh, sung its praises. 
that was born from construction workers contacting the company and being like, hey, can you do a coffee flavor? Because the morning coffee run is integral to construction work sites. It's part of like the work culture is, you know, before you get in for the day, you show up with a bunch of coffee for all your guys. And this is a key thing to the energy drink. Coffee, you have to brew. Coffee, you have to wait for it to cool. Coffee, you can't just slug back and like on a hot day. While energy drinks, they're instant, they're convenient, they're cold, they're refreshing. They, you can drink it in all the scenarios where you normally would drink coffee and all the scenarios where you can't drink coffee. Another big innovation was the Monster Ultra line because uh, they noticed that the lo- zero calorie or low carb monster was selling better than the full sugar monster. And so uh, they started pitching it to women. And, you know, they're like, Monster Ultra Plus White. You know, hey, our monster girls really love this, like, new light brand. And if you look on the shelf, there's way more brands of sugar-free monster now than Mm. regular monster. Mm -hmm. Uh, All of this growth, all of this very aggressive marketing, and all of this diversification basically culminated in uh, 2018 when Monster overtook Red Bull as the number one energy drink in the U.S. And I think part of that is kind of mirrors what happened in Thailand, where Mm. Red Bull marketed itself as uh, for extreme athletes, for skiers, for snowboarders, for people who go to Ibiza to party the night away, for, you know, college students trying to pull all-nighters, when the fact is the people who really need to just chug 200 milligrams of caffeine are normal ass people who just have to get fucking work done or they're going to lose their apartment. Are dudes that listen to Kenny Chesney and ain't that the <laughs> truth. Absolutely. Oh yeah, there's Monster Assault M83 which is in camo. <laughs> there's, you know, they, yeah. they, for every single person there is a monster while Red Bull was much later to the party uh for a long time it was basically just the one Red Bull sized can, the one Red Bull flavor and sugar-free or regular. And now there's like a bunch more Red Bull flavors, but I've never tried them. There are a bunch of Red Bull flavors. Also, Jake, we've got to take another side road, another Holden special side road, and talk about five-hour energy. Back in 2004, tiny bottles started hitting the shelves. The concept was created by a guy named Manaj Bhargava. He was born in India, moved to the U.S. at 14 years old. He ends up dropping out of Princeton in his first year there and moves to India to be a monk for 12 years. Then moves back to the U.S. working different odd jobs like taxi driver, that sort of thing, and whatnot before starting and eventually selling a plastics firm. This gives him the revenue he needs, the, the, the capital he needs to invest in something, to create something all his own. At a trade show, he comes across energy drinks and gets the idea of one that has no sugar or odd stimulants that is similar, uh, (laughs) which is how he gets to 5-Hour Energy, a 2.49-ounce bottle that had more caffeine than the competitors. The other big plus, you didn't have to refrigerate this drink. So this drink doesn't have to be in the drink aisle in the back of the store. This drink can be right next to the cash register as it is found in so many different 7-Elevens, gas stations, bodegas, what have you. And that is what, and I remember that really overtaking all other energy drink choices that I saw my friends getting. This was just so fast. You just took it like medicine. It's not about having a beverage. It had way more. It had 200 milligrams of caffeine per shot, which is absorbed all at once, as opposed to a can of Monster, which I think has like 
somewhere from 120 to 160, depending on what variety you get. Red Bull, like a little can of Red Bull or a bottle of balls only had 80 milligrams, which is basically just a 20 ounce of Mountain Dew. Well, uh, and God, five hour energy had so many B vitamins in it. Yeah. And I know people intellectually, I understand that caffeine is caffeine is caffeine, but I swear a five hour energy shot hits different than a cup of coffee hits different than a Red Bull. Sure. Part of it is, you know, this is barely hearsay, but uh, a lot of people don't get enough B vitamins in their day to day diet. Like you need to eat like really well. You need to eat like. proper fresh protein proper vegetables to like be to get proper uh b vitamin levels and if you're just eating a lot of junk food if you're under a lot of stress those levels can be depleted very easily and so i feel like if you're having a shitty oh and drinking drinking fucks up your b vitamin levels so if you are hungover if you are just living a la vida loca a little bit it probably does something beneficial for you Sure, and that definitely the B vitamin thing, you can't take that away. But one drink that definitely doesn't do anything beneficial for you, the second side road I want to take you down, Jake. Four loco, my favorite part of this episode for me personally to research and learn about. I, again, the summer of 2010. Four loco was everywhere and then nowhere in a matter of days. It swept the nation in such a unique way that I've never really seen a beverage have an effect on this country like this. It was lightning in a gigantic can. So back in 2005, three Ohio State students named Chris Hunter, Jason Freeman, and Jeff Wright see that many of their classmates and probably themselves are mixing lots of booze with energy drinks at bars left and right to party and have fun. So they form a manufacturer named Fusion LLC, Fusion with a PH, of course. Why wouldn't it be? And they start selling their own concoction of bars, which features four major ingredients. Alcohol, caffeine, taurine, and guarana. That's right. Finally, they're all together in one place. Guarana all is just the- more caffeine. It's yes. literally, it's I, it's identical. Yes, and, and, and they will make you crazy. Hence, four loco. The can was 23 and a half ounces and contained 12% alcohol. It was the farthest they could push it for a malt beverage. <laughs> With the, It had the unofficial slogan, horny, hyper, and happy. It gains traction among college students in the Midwest and eventually becomes available in 46 states and Europe by 2008. The FDA, however, steps in at the end of 2009 to begin an investigation on the product. And Four Loco, as I mentioned before, hits this insane fever pitch the summer of 2010 and begins a decline later that year as colleges start to ban the drink on campus due to, oh, I don't know, incidents of students having to be rushed to the hospital while hopped up on the drink. In November, Fusion Products agrees to stop shipping Four Loco to New York State altogether after Governor David Patterson spoke on safety concerns. And the final blow happened that same month when Fusion announced they would pull caffeine from the drink entirely. It should be noted that Sparks did it first starting back in 2002. Uh, Remember Sparks? Sparks. I loved Sparks. Out of San Francisco. It was bought by the Miller Brewing Company in 06, and they voluntarily removed the caffeine by 2008 due to health hazards. Then there's Juice, J-O-O-S-E, which started back in 2005, and they also removed the caffeine in 2010 after the FDA comes after caffeinated alcoholic beverages. But again... Just want to throw it out there. If you weren't around for Four Loco, I don't know how to describe it. It created, it is a drink that created 
havoc. It's literally Absolute just the maximum havoc. legal dosage of all of the legal substances that you can put in a product that you can sell. But also, it made everyone. I like. I remember um, uh, uh, Bird Luger Forever. I remember Kevin. Literally just being like, I, and he's very nonviolent. It's like, I'm going to go look for a fight. <laughs> I don't know what else to do right now. And I felt this. I was like, I know. I, it, I'm, I feel like I want to just hurt somebody right now because <laughs> I've had a can of Four loco. I mean, this thing was crazy. And I, I, I can't explain it because it's not just that you're super awake and super drunk. You were like, de- it made you demented. No, because alcohol lowers your inhibitions, but it depresses your central nervous system. So you just get kind of like chummy and sleepy and whatever. Caffeine pumps your adrenaline to hell, pumps your dopamine up, so you're like motivated and anxious, and like you all this. So like the difference between like, ah, I just want to like kick back and like watch the sunset versus like, ah, I want to topple something. <laughs> no one can stop me. It was so funny, man, and I'm glad it's it's, it's good that it's gone. But I do miss it, and it was a very memorable time. I do remember that was a crazy summer. I nearly died. I drank two cans, and <laughs> absolutely, I puked black ichor. <laughs> I had a hangover that gave me cluster migraines for two days. I died. I died at the. It was uh, horrendous. It was horrendous, and it should be eradicated from the earth. But it is a fun memory. Either way, uh, also by the 2010s. Energy drinks were pretty unregulated, were being advertised to children, and were claiming to be dietary supplements with lots of people now consuming them everywhere, and essentially became the new tobacco. They became the new thing that was getting everyone hooked, that was trying to pretend like it was actually beneficial for you, that was absolutely doing everything to advertise to children when it was super not a product that should be consumed by children. No, they weren't advertising to children. They were advertising specifically to young adults, the exact people that children look up to and want to emulate. That's There's a difference. And you can actually go buy it. You can just go pick it up at the gas station without any issues. And in 2012... A lawsuit is filed by a mother of a 14-year-old girl in Maryland who died from a heart arrhythmia after drinking Monster a couple days in a row. The FDA by that time had received reports of five deaths possibly linked to Monster, along with a report of a non-fatal heart attack as well as 40 illnesses, with Rockstar getting linked to 13 illnesses and two lasting disabilities, and 92 illnesses and 13 deaths were linked to 5-Hour Energy, and the FDA finally begins to crack down a little bit. At least saying, don't sell these in, like, the dietary aisle. Don't sell these, you know, put a warning. Make these not for kids. And so that is why we've gotten to the point where there's tons of articles out there comparing energy drinks to tobacco back when tobacco was big tobacco. Now now they're big vape. But either way, again, again, super advertised, or at least super uh, purchased by, and, and definitely advertised towards kids. And that's where they get you. They get you young. They get you hooked on the energy drink young. And you keep going. Because for me, I can't even fat. Like, I never even think about picking up a Red Bull. It tastes gross to me. I don't like how it makes my body feel. I'm just not into it. And so, but, you know, and but I went through the cigarette thing. And, and it's the same thing. It's like, these taste gross. These, yeah, X, Y, Z, they don't make me feel good. You know what I mean? But I, I picked them up anyways because I, I thought that's what cool kids do. That they smoke cigarettes. I have been. I will grab an energy drink every once in a while if I know I'm in for a long car trip. If 
I I bought a can of Bang energy drink uh, just this morning because I knew I had a lot of research and needed to get my energy up before recording. <laughs> I don't know if you can tell from this episode, but the fact is I link it all back to the uh, Japanese meth. I, li- I literally think Hell we're yeah. all like through energy drinks. We're back at the Philippon segment because in a time where uh, the economy is in free fall, uh, job stability is in free fall. Earnings are in free fall uh, wage. You know, the wage gap is higher than ever. Uh, people feel like they need an edge. People need to make sure that. They don't fuck up at work. People need the just motivation to go to their job day in, day out. People need, they don't need a cup of coffee. They don't need like to sit by the, you know, the K-cup machine and just like chat with coworkers. They can't pour themselves an espresso. They can't like go to a local cafe and sip. We're in like a weird, stressed out state of war and anything that will give you just the edge that you think you need to get through the next couple of hours becomes like indispensable. And that's the difference between, that's why I want to draw the difference between a beverage and an energy drink, because you don't reach for an energy drink without a purpose in your heart. Mm -hmm. Also, Jake, if you do want to put on a t-shirt, uh, meth made Japan happen, I will purchase that shirt. So okay. Just want to throw it out there because I think that was the funniest thing you said the episode. (laughs) Meth made Japan happen. Um, I think personally that this all climaxes with the Red Bull Stratus. On October 2012, Austrian skydiver Felix Bromgartner flew 24 miles into the stratosphere over New Mexico in a helium balloon and fell back to Earth and broke the sound barrier on his descent. Thus, performing the ultimate climax to the energy drink boom where do you go from there hopefully less deaths is where we go from there i'd really like to see less people dying from a drink you can get at a gas station without having to show an id dietrich Mateschitz is currently like the number 37th richest man in the world uh the uvidya family in thailand is uh one of the richest families in thailand uh this is a multi-billion dollar industry it's not going anywhere and I feel like as times get darker and weirder, people are going to be reaching for more and more extreme energy things just to like feel like they have an edge to survive. And it all started with some just uh, just it started with balls. It started with cocaine, the energy drink. It started with Red Bull gives you wings and it really reflects. Uh, and now we have become the monster Holden. <laughs> the monster is us all along. We are the Walking Dead. All right, I think that about does it. That's our episode on energy drinks. A fun one, man. I really enjoyed it. And uh, if uh, you want to follow us further, patreon.com forward slash whizbrew. Check us out. We're on there putting out bonus content every single week. It's the greatest, just $5 a month, and you get all that extra content, and it helps keep this sh- little show going. Also, check me out on twitch.tv forward slash holdenators ho. I stream Monday, Tuesday, Friday nights. Check me out. It's always a blast. Jake! The Wizard and the Bruiser t-shirts are back in stock. All you got to do is go to lastpodcastmerch.com and pick it up. You will have a wonderful Heather Gray t-shirt with our screaming faces on it to let people know, that's right, normies. I listen to a single podcast. Oh, yeah! 
and you can follow me on Twitter at bestjakeyoung. And uh, until next time, hey man, keep on whizzing. And never stop bruising. Just don't stop bruising. Just never stop. You always keep bruising. You, you can't stop bruising. If you stop bruising, then, then, then my heart will stop. Everything will stop. The whole thing just never stop. Just drink, drink, drink about Never stop bruising. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks... Then, there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.